everybody welcome to the podcast i'm glad you could join me again today episode 59 that's what we're up to and as mentioned in the last episode this year in 2024 i plan to explore topics beyond just loving monday a friend of mine told me she has no problem with mondays she loves mondays she loves monday just like friday but for a different reason and she actually can't wait to get back to monday after the weekend Does that resonate with you? Does it at all? Does that make sense to you? Because I'm betting for the majority of you that does not make sense. But if you feel like she does, then you're in the minority, but that's a great thing. Turns out her work is so engaging that rather than the Sunday scaries, she gets the Sunday smileys, I guess I'll call them, because she does not dread Monday whatsoever. In fact, she looks forward to it. On Sunday, rather than dreading Monday, like many people are used to, she starts to look forward with, with anxious anticipation. Not anxiety, but looking forward to it in a good way. And just like 70% of you out there starting to dread Monday before Monday actually arrives, she starts looking forward to it with fond anticipation for what she's going to face. So what if it is resonating? This whole concept of you love Monday, just like Friday. I mean, that's what I've been working on for 10 years with everyone is that's what I want you to do. Um, so, so is, does that mean your problems are solved? Your career is great and everything is good. Well, it solves your career problem and it goes to what we've been talking to talking about all the, in all the episodes up till now and all the things I've been talking about for the last 10 years that does resolve that one minor problem that to, to stop hating Monday and to love Monday just like Friday, but for a different reason. But that might not tell the whole story, and that's why we're going where we are this year. So back to my friend who loves Monday just like Friday. She's told me that for years. When I wrote my book, A Passion for Monday, she said this, you know, you don't need to convert me. I am with you on this. I love Monday so much. I love Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then one day, while discussing relationships, she mentioned the stress she was having in hers as she was kind of on the verge of a breakup. And that, that, that relationship actually did break up. It was then that I realized that while she loved Monday, just like Friday, some of that was relative to what she experienced on weekends and evenings. Sure, she does love her career. It's a great career. But that's only part of the story for her. She wasn't particularly fond of evenings and weekends and holidays because of a relationship that was proving to be a real source of stress for her. And it didn't work out. And since then, she's moved out of that relationship, but she's struggled with other relationships since then to find one where she can love Friday, just like Monday, but for a different reason. So what about you? If you already love Monday, is that partly relative to what you experience in the other half of your work-life balance, the life part of your work-life balance. Could your work-life balance be tipping toward work, not because of the demands of work, but because of the demands and the stress of life that are being caused when you go home? And I hope that's not the case. But this is where we're going this year in on the Love Monday podcast. And it might 
spawn a, a, a whole other podcast. But for this, for the foreseeable future, we're going to go beyond Mondays and we're going to go into topics that are going to help you thrive in and out of work. We're going to go beyond work. We're going to transcend that. We're going to, we're going to get a, yeah, excuse me. We're going to go to deeper topics and we're going to learn some things that, that are going to help you, like I say, thrive in other areas. Ideally, you love Monday and you love your home life. And, and if that's you, then I appreciate you, you're, that you're still listening. It must be just because you plain like me. You know, you just plain like me. And thanks for that. I'll take it. I'll take that anytime I can get it. But if you've turned into this podcast because you hate Monday and or evenings and weekends, then in 2024, this is the year of you. And this is what this podcast is going to bring to you. Some relief to all of that. Some ways that you can take a look into that life part of the work-life balance. We've been working on the work part of work-life balance, like I say, for going on 10 years now. And it's time to expand this because I have tons of content. You go out to lovemondaylikefriday.com. I've got do-it-yourself stuff. I've got coaching that I can take you through personally. I've got blogs. I've got 120-something articles out on LinkedIn that talk all about Love and Monday just like Friday. I can come to your organization and I can, I can teach your managers and your entire organization how to Love Monday just like Friday, but for a different reason. The content is out there. There is no shortage of content on how to be engaged in your job and in your career and to find that career that you've been dying to have. But like I found with my friend, there's more to life than work. Who knew? Isn't that cool? So let's get into it. Today, I'm going to introduce all of you Saturday haters to a concept called the seven bridges of a solid relationship. Now, this is just one area we're going to go into this year, but we're going to spend the next several episodes talking about this, the seven bridges of a solid relationship. So where did this come from? Well, after a painful breakup, I would say it's the third of three significant relationships I had in my life to that point. I decided hey, maybe I have something to do with this, this breakup, you know, this, this whole breakup thing. I've, I've had three what I would call significant relationships, and all of them went badly in the end. Maybe I should do something new. You know, look inward. Maybe see if there's something I might be missing. You know, maybe there is something to that. A thing or two that I might be doing wrong. Just is there a chance? I started to open myself up to that possibility. Okay, that's understating it dramatically. You know, understating how I was feeling at the time. In fact, I was I was miserable. My real thoughts were, what the hell is wrong with me? Why can't I do relationships? It's a valid question. It's valid for anyone who isn't able to maintain a healthy relationship. I mean, if you seem to move from one relationship to the next, or possibly worse, if you're feeling trapped in the one you're in, the long-term relationship you're in because you committed to this and nothing, including your happiness, your joy, your fulfillment, your autonomy, or any other basic human need is going to get into the way of that commitment. Now, I, I honor those commitments, and I think that's great, but far more than a commitment to a long-term relationship where you don't have happiness, joy, fulfillment, autonomy, and your other basic needs, those are the more important things. And that doesn't mean you have to throw out this long-term committed relationship you're in, but this is what we're going to talk about coming up. So I don't want you to just muddle through 
making your way to the weekend and hating it. I want this to be a better experience for you. So back to me and my experience. Like I say, after that third failed relationship, in a therapy session, I asked that question for real. What the hell is wrong with me? Why can't I have a successful relationship? And the answer from my therapist was this. She said, to, com- to be completely honest with you, it's because you keep choosing the same person. No, I don't. They have zero similarities. And then she told me, well, they don't look alike. No, they have different interests and occupations. But in some very fundamental ways, they're very, they're very similar. And you, don't just, you just don't gel well with the, with the partners you've been choosing. It's not that you couldn't make these relationships work, because you could. But you have to know the problems that arise in these types of problematic relationships with the, with the relationships you've been enter, entering into. You gotta re, you've got to recognize them, and both parties have to recognize them, and both parties have to be willing to work hard to do their part to come through it. So you absolutely can make those work. But those are a lot of assumptions, and it all comes down to how committed both parties in the relationship are to making it work. And then she went on to say, from what you've told me about these three relationships, and she'd worked with me for a number of years, these elements were not present in those relationships. These elements of, you know, understanding the problems, both parties being willing to work on it and really, and really give it the effort needed to make it work. So in, in those three relationships, I had, I had shared with her at least the side that she could see, my side, she, she could see that whether it was me or them or both of us were not working in a way that could have made those work. So, no, they were probably, she went on to tell me, no, they probably were not going to work unless one of you surrendered your needs to those of the other partner because you both have to work at it. You both have to see your part. You both have to be willing to put in the effort. You both have to be committed to each other. But at least from what I had shared, my perspective being either me or they did not want to do that. And so it was kind of doomed if you're in fear in that situation. Otherwise, I've got to relinquish, I've got to surrender my needs for hers or she's got to surrender her needs for me. And that's just not a recipe for long-term success. So we then got into the details of what I was doing and how to detect the problem. Because I said, well, if that's the case, how do I stop it? Some of it had to do with emotional availability. A lot of it had to do with our contrasting attachment styles. Attachment styles, you ask? Now, most of you probably know what these are, but I had never heard of this concept of attachment styles and relationships in 55 years of living a life. Now I've come to believe it's way more important than most of the things that we learn in school. Maybe not reading, but definitely more important than math and science because math and science haven't gone a long way to helping me be happy or unhappy. But attachment styles and bad relationships, have I've spent a lot of years on that. And so this is an important concept, but I'd never heard of it in 55 years. But if you don't know about attachment styles, I'm not going to do that in this episode. There's lots that you can read about this. You can, you can Google it. You can chat GPT it. You can find all sorts of information on this. There are some great books. A couple of them that I read that were really good. One is called Insecure in Love. 
And it felt like that author was looking, was sitting in the room in all of my relationships and writing the book based on my experience. That's how resonating this was for me. And the other one is polysecure. Now that second title is about consensual non-monogamous relationships, but if that's not your thing, it is still one of the best treatments of attachment styles I've ever found. And I've read a lot about attachment styles since this time. So once I found out what I'd, what I'd been missing and therefore what I'd been doing wrong in these relationships, now I felt like I needed some sort of framework, some sort of process, something for myself to stop feeding myself headfirst into the relationship wood chipper because that's what it felt like I kept doing. I would jump headfirst into these relationships and I would come out in pieces on the other side. So I started by looking at how I could detect signs of what she mentioned, emotional unavailability and attachment styles. How could I, what, what could I do? So I, I did a lot of reading. I also did a lot of therapy sessions. And in the midst of it all, I came up with 12 things that I felt like I needed in relationships, 12 things that would ensure my needs would be met and also help me detect people who, who would be an inherent mismatch for me based on attachment styles, based on emotional availability. Not that a mismatch can't work, like we've already talked about. It absolutely can, but if some basic elements aren't there to ensure that we can work on the mismatched attachment styles, it's still pretty much doomed. And so I needed to be able to, because I wasn't in a long-term relationship, I was looking to, to find a happy relationship. I needed to be able to find a way to weed out these these bad or these mismatches with me so that I wouldn't spend a lot of time doing that. I'm not getting any younger. So I took those 12 things that I discovered and eventually pared them down to 10. And then I winnowed them down to eight. And now I've actually arrived at seven. As I considered these seven things, the image of bridges came to my mind because I'm not just looking for someone else to just hand deliver my needs like DoorDash to me. What I'm really looking for is is to do my part in being a partner, you know, a partnership. What a crazy concept, right? So I imagined I'm on an island of my hopes and dreams and love. <laughs> I look across the water, whatever that body of water is, that divides me from everyone else and, and see someone. I start walking across one of the bridges, and then I see if this potential partner will start across the bridge from the other side so that we can meet in the middle and form this beautiful partnership. For example, bridge number two is a bias for communication. If I meet someone and I'm showing my interest by asking questions about them and they, they simply answer the questions and seem to have little or no interest in me, they probably don't have a bias for communication. It potentially also signifies an aversion to intimacy and perhaps some emotional unavailability. So this one bridge is not only a requirement, but has several simple tests that can be applied to know how hard I want to work to foster this new relationship. And what I found as I started using this, I didn't want to work very hard. And it worked pretty well. I didn't spend a lot of time with, with people who did not want to meet me on the bridge. They were waiting for me to come all the way across the bridge, do all the communicating, ask all the questions, do all of the work, and I just wasn't willing to do that. I don't mind doing work, but I want to partner in that work. Also, in doing the work of the relationship, are we building a mansion or digging a ditch? Sure, ditches are useful, 
But after doing all that work, it's still just a ditch. The seven bridges were for me and me alone. That was the concept. I just needed something for myself to stop making all these stupid mistakes. I needed a framework that would help me. Then as I started comparing notes with others in my same situation who were trying to find a relationship and having the same problems I was having, I talk about how this process and framework were working better than I'd hoped they would. And then these other people who I'd be talking to got curious. They started asking me, if I meet a person and they do this and it doesn't feel good to me, or if something seems wrong, something seems just kind of not right about it, what bridge is that? Or if a guy is doing this, what bridge is, what bridge is, that, is that included in? And so I started having conversations with friends and they started talking about, talking about their relationships in terms of my bridges. And again, this framework, it was just to save me from emotional and relationship ruin. And it was starting to work for others, just sort of by osmosis. I hadn't really said, well, here's what you got to do. I wasn't coaching anybody in this. But it turned out that just by inertia, I was coaching them because they started asking questions about my process. And then it was then that I realized they were applying my process to their relationships. They might tweak it a little bit, but the same concepts seem to be working for them. I, I started sharing it. And, I, and people still, they come to me asking questions. What bridge are we on here? This is happening here. X and Y and Z are happening. What bridge is this? Where, where does this fit in? And in those conversations, sometimes they've tweaked the bridges. They've switched up the order. They've done some things differently. But it's working for them. So I thought, why not share this? It's actually been in a little greater demand for me lately than Love Monday stuff. But not only that, it has, the Seven Bridges has applicability for people in current relationships too. I mean, people who aren't looking for new relationships, but wanting their existing ones to start meeting their needs. Weird, huh? But it, it, it does have that applicability. Now, I've been looking at it from the framework of, of of finding relationships, but it can also help you if you're in one. And as we talk about this beyond today, beyond this episode, I'm going to introduce elements of that to help you in your existing relationships too. But not only that, I'm finding that these same principles have applicability to Love Monday stuff too. So it's crossing over in really cool ways. I've talked extensively about the four mistakes that make people hate Monday, but imagine how you could fix your horrible boss problem, which is mistake number four, if you and your boss had a bias for communication which is bridge number two, or if you had a safe haven to express your concerns, which is part of bridge number three. So with all that for context, today I want to briefly introduce you to the seven bridges of a solid relationship. Again, my framework, and if it works for you, this is one of those things we're going to talk about in 2024 to help you thrive in all areas of your life. So the seven bridges of a solid relationship from my my framework, my process, and also my forthcoming book, billing it out here right now, working on a book about this. We're going to talk about this, like I say, as the first of many topics for 2024. So let's get to it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for episode 59 of the Love Monday podcast. Now, if you're still looking to love Monday, just like Friday, and you're not ready to go on to all of the nights and weekends, have no fear. I got you covered. 
Check out my latest blog on lovemondaylikefriday.com, a bulletproof process for loving Monday. This is going to give you a true DIY process for loving Monday, just like Friday, but for a different reason. If you want to take that a step farther, you can sign up for a membership on lovemondaylikefriday.com for nine bucks a month. You're going to get video resources, lessons, and exercises to help take you through the process to get you loving Monday, just like Friday, but for a different reason. And the final tier of this is to hire me as your coach. This is a process that has worked for every single person who has followed the process. Now, whether you do it on your own, or you do it with me as your coach, this is going to get you to a place where you can thrive in your zone of genius. Check it out, lovemondaylikefriday.com, a bulletproof process for loving Monday, and I'll talk to you soon. Bridge number one is attraction. If you're looking to get into a relationship, this may seem very basic, but it's not that simple. Things like chemistry, similar goals, similar values, physical attraction are all things that are part of attraction. So is attraction a given? Maybe, but for many, they haven't figured out what attraction means to them, or they don't believe they can demand to actually be attracted to someone. They just have, they don't, they don't feel their own value enough to, to make demands on who they get in a relationship. They think they have to settle for less than they want. If this is you, you might want to look at it before you go too far down the road of trying to find a new relationship. If you're already in a long-term relationship, maybe you look at what attracts you to your partner and start to get an appreciation for those things right now. All right, that's bridge number one, attraction. Bridge number two is a bias for communication. This is more than just talking about the weather or how your day was. This encompasses things like empathy and listening with curiosity. It's respectful tones in your communication and respect for the other person and their feelings. It's context and timing. It's about wanting to get to the bottom of problems and not just hoping they'll get better over time. Nothing gets better by ignoring it. It never does. At best, it gets different, but it doesn't get better. But it always gets worse than it could have been if you'd talked about it and communicated about it and had bridge number two, a bias for communication. Bridge number three is emotional availability. Emotional availability in relationships refers to an individual's capacity to connect emotionally with a partner, communicate openly about feelings, and respond empathetically to their partner's emotions. It involves being present, responsive, and attuned to your own emotions as well as those of your partner. Emotional availability is crucial for building a deep and meaningful connection in relationships. It's crucial for building a mansion and not digging a ditch. Bridge number three, emotional availability. On to bridge number four, which is a safe haven and a secure base. Related to a bias for communication, a safe haven to which you can bring any and all of your concerns without being worried about being dismissed, ridiculed, or ignored. I group this one with a secure base, and a secure base in relationships refers to a concept introduced by psychologist John Bowlby in the context of attachment theory. He, he originally came up with attachment theory. It describes a relationship or a person that serves as a source of security and support, allowing individuals to explore the world, take risks, while knowing they have a reliable foundation to return to. This answers the question for me, can you make me and our relationship a priority in your life, or do you need to remain independent and aloof from me? That's bridge number four, a safe haven and a secure base. Bridge number five is sexual compatibility. Sexual compatibility in relationships refers to the alignment of sexual preferences, desires, 
attitudes between partners. It involves mutual understanding and satisfaction in the physical aspect of the relationship. Can we communicate about sex? Do we have mutual respect? And is there consent? Do we have similar values and beliefs? Do we have a similar desire to experiment together? Can we be adaptable? All of those things. Do we have similar drives for sex? All of those things go into sexual compatibility. It's an important bridge. Bridge number six is intimacy. Intimacy in relationships is a multifaceted concept that encompasses emotional, physical, and psychological closeness between partners. It involves a deep connection that goes beyond surface-level interactions and fosters a sense of understanding, vulnerability, and trust. I summarize intimacy like this. It's knowing deeply and being deeply known. Intimacy is bridge number six. Bridge number seven is a bonded partnership. A bonded partnership in relationships refers to deep and enduring connection between partners that goes beyond surface-level interactions. It involves a strong emotional, physical, and psychological bond that contributes to the overall strength and stability of the relationship. In short, bridge number seven, a bonded partnership is once I have crossed all six bridges with my partner, I'm willing to, I'm ready and willing and able to fully commit and bond in a partnership with that person. Those are the seven bridges of a solid relationship. I hope they resonate with you. If they do, you're in luck because we're going to spend the next several episodes going through these one at a time so you can kind of apply them to either if you're in the if you're in the mode of trying to get into a relationship, trying to find someone, then this is going to help you and and you can apply it the way I did. Now these bridges might appear in a different order for you. You might need to tweak them a little bit, but it's a good place to start. So we're going to go over these in detail an episode at a time. I hope they're going to be helpful to you. And this is just the start of 2024 where we go into other areas of your life where you can thrive beyond Monday. Until then, I hope you love Monday just like Friday, but for a different reason. Subscribe, leave me a review, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.